This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at Le Bank St. Sampson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. I don't know if you've ever seen some of the amazing photographs of the waves coming over the walls. I'm just glad you wasn't there at that point in time. Just incredible pictures are coming out. So, picture really spiritual what God wants to do, I'm sure. Just, if you notice, just we're thinking of, maybe from the 12th, we're saying from the 12th of, of where are we now, January, uh, for the next two and a half weeks, we want to just set up a time, of, I think one of the words that came was for prayer. So we want to set up a time of prayer and fasting. So from the 12th, and we're going to be arranged different meetings, and we'll have those meetings all written down for us uh, for you next week. So we're just going to show you meetings, of different prayer meetings, so we can really uh, focus on God and prayer and fasting. Now, that is so awesome, prayer and fasting. Ultimately speaking, nothing's going to change our, our island. Nothing's going to change with prayer and fasting. Nothing's going to do that. God's never done anything but prayer and fasting, so we're going to encourage people over the next few weeks to really maybe different days or go without certain meals during the day or whatever. Whatever is real for you, maybe for, for some it's a prolonged fast, for others it's just a meal, whatever. Whatever is relevant to you, because I know for some there's, we've got various medical issues, but if you can really just do that, you're going to feel real breakthrough in your life. So we're going to break through to really pray and fast for the next two or three weeks to see God just do amazing things, amen, do a mighty breakthrough by his spirit. Maybe personal situations that you need a breakthrough. I think sometimes we tolerate things rather than saying, you know, I'm rising up and I'm going, to not, I'm going to seek the face of God. I'm going to really give myself to a time of prayer and fasting because I need a breakthrough of this situation. I've put up for that situation for far too long. I've tolerated it. But now I'm rising up and I'm going to pray and fast until I see my breakthrough. Amen? And that kind of spirit always sees something God do amazing. And just say, next Sunday, if you're, if you're out here, next Sunday, morning, we're going to have an anointed service where we like to just anoint every single person with oil. And uh, we just prepare this for the coming year. So if you want to be part of that, next, next Sunday morning, we have an anointed service. Okay, if you've got your Bibles with you. I've had this word really for this coming year, and I think I felt one of the words that God laid to my heart was this word advance. Just for God is calling us to advance. And it's a word that often in various forms and different ways comes through the Bible. I'm going to just look at a few, quite a few scriptures today, so have your Bibles or your iPads at the ready. Any got iPads today? Any iPads? Uh, I know Steph there, if you have one for Christmas. So your iPads at the ready. You know, you say, Bible, you have your iPads at the ready. Amazing thing about an iPad is you can get 10 versions all at once. That's amazing, isn't it? Uh, Deuteronomy 1.6. The Lord our God spoke to us in Horeb, saying, you've dwelt long enough on at this mountain. You've dwelt long enough. You've been in this position, this situation, this circumstance, this, this position far too long. It's time to move off this mountain. In other words, advance. I looked up what the word advance means. It means moving forward from the position you're occupying. It means to not be passive. It means not to settle down. It means no holding back, no standing still. It means not to occupy the same piece of ground. So the same kind of, if you like, for the piece of ground or the territory you occupy this year, God says, move forward. Make progress. 
Come forward. Come to a higher level. And that's what he wants us really what I want to focus on. Because whenever we move forward, whenever we want to advance, you always find there's always opposition. Is that right? In every advancement, in every moving forward, there often will always be areas of resistance. Bible speaks about Israel. And they've been on this mountain, they've been in this condition for a lot of years. They spent 40 years in the wilderness, which should have only taken them an 11-day trip. And if you see Deuteronomy 2, 3, it, it actually it says to them, it says that you've skirted around this mountain long enough. Turn northward. Move away. In other words, God said, if you would have obeyed my voice, you'd have long moved forward long, long ago. And I just got this sense there that, that God is wanting us to, to activate maybe prophetic words over your life. Maybe there's been dreams. Maybe there's been certain words that God has specifically spoken to you. Maybe it's something that God spoke to you years, months, even decades ago maybe. And God has given you a specific word, a specific dream, a specific word for your life, a destiny, a calling that God's placed on your life. And maybe because we face opposition or we face discouragement or it didn't kind of manifest in the way we'd hoped, we've kind of taken that dream, we've taken that word, we've taken that word God spoke over our lives and we've kind of put it on a shelf. We've lost sight of it. We've lost... The, the, we've lost the desire for it. We've kind of put her aside. And I just felt that God is wanting to rise up again, stir up those words, stir up those destinies, stir up the callings, stir up the, the, the prophetic things that God spoke into your life in a, in a specific way. It came in, in a various way, but you've kind of lost sight of it. And God is saying, come on, advance again. Take hold of that word and move forward again with what I've spoken over your life. Deuteronomy 7, because... As I said, that whenever we have words that God speaks to us or whatever we want to advance, whenever we want to move forward, we always encounter opposition. And often the reason why we don't advance is because we don't allow ourselves to move beyond the opposition that we face. Deuteronomy 7 verse 1 says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess, and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites, the Gerzites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Ephites, the Jezebites, and every other night you think. Seven nations greater and mightier than you. When you get hold of that. Nations that are greater and mightier than you. Numbers 33. Numbers 33. Verse 51. Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you've crossed the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall drive out the inhabitants of the land before you. Destroy all their engraved stones, destroy all their molded images, and demolish all their high places. You shall dispossess the inhabitants of the land and dwell in it, for I've given you this land to inherit book of Deuteronomy really is Moses' farewell address 
It's where he's saying farewell to the people. And he's basically saying, look, God, you've been prepared to take things. You've been prepared to advance. You've been prepared to go forward. And I think there's a, a direct parallel between the children of Israel, what they had to enter into, and the things that we, maybe this year, need to overcome in order for us to advance. The same struggles, the same battles, the same oppositions that they had in a physical realm, if you like, I think are pictures of some of the opposition that we need to overcome in this coming year if we're to advance. Now notice what it says. It says there'll be seven nations that are greater than they are bigger than you. You'll find that the vision, the dream, the destiny, the prophetic word that God has spoken over your life will always be bigger than you. You'll never feel you've got enough resources, enough ability, enough talent to meet it. In fact, I've often said, if a dream or a word is truly from God, you'll never feel in yourself you have the natural resources to do it. If you feel you can do it, then I question it if it's of God. It will always be bigger than you. And God says, in the land I'm giving to you, the nations that occupy it right now, they're always, they're always bigger than you. God will always ask us to conquer something that we feel totally inadequate to deal with and overcome. You know why that is? Because when you defeat something that is beyond your ability and strength, you always know that's how you grow. That's how you grow. That's how you grow. You will never really be strong if you only conquer things that are weaker than you. You know, you see it in sport. This year, Andrew Murray won Wimbledon. Wasn't that awesome at last? And won his majors and things. But you know what? He didn't just do that overnight. He had to slowly beat people who were bigger or, or were better than him. He had to slowly build his strength up and his ability and talent and resources. So he began to build, beat people who were originally bigger than stronger than him. And that's what you find that in sport, don't you? If you want to be better at something, then play someone who's better than you. Guys, so for badminton, you play me. No, I'm only joking. But uh, you always play somebody who's better than you. Because as you play someone who's better than you, then you begin to develop your ability, your strength. You grow stronger. And I think it's important in a prophetic way, not to pull back from, from the things that God has called us to do because the challenges are too big. Maybe it could be issues in our life that we've never confronted because they seem too big for us to deal with. We've allowed them to remain there because we've had them so long we can't see our lives free of them. And they seem too big for us to deal with or remove from our lives. But if we're going to advance, then we're going to have to challenge and remove those things that seem so bigger than us. Issues, things in our life that may have been there many, many years, but we've got such an overwhelming, burning passion to advance, we're willing to confront those things, deal with those things, so we can move forward. Can you say amen? The other reason why God calls us to, to face things bigger than us I believe the key is 
to learn to become more and more dependent on God. I think if there's one thing we need to learn to lay down, is to lay down self-reliance, self-dependability, reliance on our own selves. Almost God's calling us to, to a new level of childlikeness. That childlike dependence. But you'll never learn the, the, the way of dependence if you only face things that are smaller than you, if you like. The only way you ever learn dependence is to face the challenges that are bigger than you that you know you can't deal with in your own ability and your own power and your own resources so you learn the lesson to rely more on God. And the more you learn to rely on God, then the bigger the challenges you will face. And that's what God's calling us to a place of incredible reliance on Him. To lay down self-reliance. To, to lay down depending on our own abilities, our own talents, our own strengths. If we do that, we'll never advance. God's corners. You think of the first beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit. What's that about? It's not about, you, about your financial situation. It's about a spiritual attitude of heart. That says, God, I know I can't do it in my own power and strength. But I'm learning my recognition I need you. Without you, I can do nothing. There's a, there's a recognition of our poverty of spirit without him. And so we learn the lessons of dependence. And through that, you're going to advance. Can you say amen? Now notice some of the things that they've got to advance to. First thing that they're told in that vision in Numbers, they're told to remove the engraved stones. See right there in Numbers 33. God says, remove the engraved stones. What are engraved stones? There were stones that they would use and they would engrave on those stones and it was almost, no matter how bad the weather was or whatever the the physical conditions was, nothing would be removed from them stones because they were engraved. Engraved stones. And God says, remove the engraved stones. Remove those engraved stones that are stopping your advance. Those stones, I think, can be found in our heart. Minds sets that are engraved. Memories that are constantly there. Painful things we keep reliving. They are there because the root of it has never been removed from our hearts. And we, st we still live in the pain, the memory, the effect, the mindset of that past experience. And because it's a root in us, it's a memory, it's something that we are constantly looking at, it produces the wrong fruit in our life. Wrong root always produces what? Wrong fruit. That's why the Bible speaks of a root of bitterness. Because a root of bitterness will produce the fruit that you don't want in your life. And the Bible says you've got to remove the engraved stones. I just think to myself, you think to your own life right now. Think of those areas of your past. Those painful memories, those things of your past. Think of how different your life would be if you could be set free from it. Think of how much you could advance if that mindset, if that part of your past that still holds your life was no longer part of your life. Because what is it? It's an engraved stone. 
that's written on your heart that you can't seem to get free from. Now, this is what God does. And I think one of the things that God's been speaking more and more to myself about is learning to live at the right side of the cross. I think too many live at the wrong side of the cross. We need to learn to live to the right side of the cross that reminds us of the power of what Jesus has truly set us free from. Coming into new levels of liberty and freedom. Part of the thing that stops us doing that is the pain and the memories of of our mistakes and our failures of our past. It's engraved on our hearts. Here's what God does. God doesn't necessarily take away the memory of it. It's not that you kind of forget it. God doesn't take the memory of it. But you know what he does? He takes away the sting of it. It's no longer painful. It's no longer destructive. It no longer has got a grip on your life. You have a memory of it, but the pain of it is not with it. God takes away the sting. I love a story about a guy and he was in the car. And many have had a bee come into your car when you're driving? Kind of panic, everything kind of goes mad. And this little girl was screaming about this bee in the car. And the dad grabbed, grabbed the bee and just crushed it in his hand. And he opened his hand and says, don't worry, the sting has been taken out. There it is. And it's almost at the cross that Jesus takes out the sting. He takes out the sting of it. He takes out the pain of it. He takes out the effect of it. He demolishes it when you begin to recognize and live at the right side of the cross. And see, the cross has dealt with that. I truly believe in my heart that God has taken away the sting of that memory of my past. And I want God to remove the engraved stone of my heart so that I can advance and not any longer be held back by the things of my past. My failures, my disappointments, my griefs, my sorrows, wherever they are, I'm bringing them to the cross. I'm no longer going to be held back by those engraved stones of my heart. Here's the next thing God tells them to do. He speaks about the, the molded images or idols. What's an idol? An idol is anything you substitute to find comfort other than God. In other words, the things that can so easily begin to take our affections away from God. I just believe more and more that, that God wants to be the center of our affection, of our hearts. It's not just about loving God with our minds, as important as that is. It's about loving God with all your heart, with all your affection. We've got to make sure that, that God becomes the center of our affections. That no other things take His place. So many things, even innocent things, can so easily come in in a small way and begin to capture our affections. And the moment it's captured the affection of your hearts, you have an outward exterior but no passion and no presence to go in your Christian life because the affections of your heart have been captured by other things. And the enemy is very subtle. I mean, realize it's subtle. And he subtly draws people away from the affections of their heart of God. And so other things begin to capture their affections. It's not an overnight thing. It's a subtle thing that slowly begins to grip your heart. The slowly, it squeezes you so much, your affections and your passions for God. It's almost gone. And we're going to say, God, I want to give you the affections and the passion of my heart. Listen to this. Affections will follow attention. 
Whatever you give the attentions of your life to, ultimately is where your affections will follow. Whatever I give more of my time to, whatever I give more of my focus to, whatever I give more of my attention to, no matter how natural and how you know, normal it is, but the moment I begin to give time and affection and, and attention to other things, slowly but surely, that's where my affections follow. So here's what I'm saying. If we want a heart that has total, complete affection for God, then give God your attention. Spend time with Him. Focus your heart on Him. Give Him attention of your life. Throughout the day, give Him your attention. And the more you give Him your attention, your affections will begin to grow and burn for Him. You'll find this. The people who've lost their affection for God have slowly but surely began to take their attention off Him. Their focus, their attention is on other things. So slowly the, the affections of the heart begin to, begin to grow colder and colder to God. So focus your attention and you can say amen. Here's the next thing. The idols, the next thing is the high places. What are high places? I think the high places are the first thing you see when something happens you don't like. The first perception that hits your mind, that first emotion that comes. In other words, it's the faulty concept we have of God when things go wrong. When things go wrong, you know what we begin to do? We question whether God loves us. When things don't go according to plan, we begin to believe God some way is punishing us. And so often, that we, the moment a problem happens, it's high places. It's, it's that first thought that enters your mind, that, that first affection that kind of rises up the moment you hit a problem or a difficult circumstance. And you begin to question something of God's character. That's a high place. And God says you've got to bring down the high place. The faulty concepts that we build up of God. Why do we have faulty concepts? Because really we don't know God enough to the depth that He should be known. And God says, I want to break down the faulty concepts, the faulty images we have of God. And to recognize that, that, our, that we've, we've got a heart and mind that recognizes that we're loved of God. That we recognize the goodness of God. We recognize the mercy of God. That we recognize all the, the, the truth of his character. And so when those circumstances and those situations hit our lives, it just, we know that God's still in control. The root of our heart is a recognition that we're loved by God. The root of our heart is rooted in the goodness of God. It's rooted in the mercy of God. It's rooted in the sovereignty of God. And the moment our hearts are rooted in those things, then when circumstances hit our lives, that's the first thing we see of God. God, no matter what's happening, I still believe you're good. No matter what's going wrong in my life, I still believe you love me. I still believe you're for me. Because your heart's rooted in that. You haven't got wrong concepts or wrong high places that you look to in the moment of a problem or an issue. It's knowing God at the depths of your heart. Roots that are really, really connected to God. Baba says being rooted and grounded in love. I'm seeing more and more the, the power of a root. You see the power of a root. Because if the root's wrong... Everything else is wrong. Is that right? What's the root of your life? It's your soul. It's your mind. It's your emotions. It's your will. When those things are rooted in wrong things, 
then you will never be strong in God. Psalm 1, let me love Psalm 1. It speaks of the blessed person, the person that's happy, the person that's content, the person that's, that's satisfied with his life. Who is that person? It's the one who says, who's planted by the waters. His roots are deep in God. His roots are deep in the source of who God is. And the more his roots go deeper into the source of who God is, the more happy, the more blessed, the more strengthened, the more empowered his life is. But if my roots are connected to wrong soil, polluted soil, dry soil, then my, my roots and my heart are not going to be very productive. I've got to get roots deep down into God, planted by the tree of water. Roots that are strong in God. Roots that are built in the things of the living God. Recognizing those things. You know, we can have soil of negativity. If your life is planted in soils of negativity, you're always going to be limited in life. Soils of, of all kinds of wrong thinking mindsets. Those wrong roots are eventually going to sap what God wants to do in your life. And God says, drive out those inhabitants. Drive them out. Drive out the inhabitants. I want you to see that when the children of Israel went into the wilderness, let's look at Numbers 14, verse 3. Let me give you an example. When the children of Israel went into the promised land, they had certain mindsets that stopped them going into the promised land. Numbers 14.3 says, Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? They had a mindset Certain mindsets that prevented them from advancing. They had a wilderness mentality. Let me look at three wilderness mentalities. First thing is this. They believed their future was determined by their past and their presence. They kept talking about how things were instead of how things were going to be. Your future is not determined by your past or your presence. We can't judge things by what we see with our spiritual eyes. You know, I think so often, you know the Bible says, calling things are as not as though they are. I think that's the biggest challenge we have. Any fool can call things that are as they are. Anybody can do that. The challenge is to call things that are not as though they, as though they are. To look at your circumstance and say, that is not how my circumstance ultimately is going to work out. If, I've, if at the moment I see my circumstance in a place of need, but I'm not going to see myself that way. I'm going to see myself in the way that he's able to meet all my needs according to his riches in glory. We don't deny the facts. We don't deny what we're facing. We don't deny our circumstances. What we do believe is God's truth is greater than the circumstances that we're facing right now. We believe God's truth is greater than the reality we're having right now. We're calling things that are not as though they are. Maybe you've got loved ones who seem a million miles away from God. 
Instead of calling things that are not as though they begin to call it as, they, as you want them to be. Call back to God, walking with God, getting right with God. Begin to change the way you call your circumstances. I began to discover, as I, as I read through the Bible, began to study people's lives, that the people who really did things for God were people who refused to believe what their current circumstances dictated to them. They refused to be held back by what they were facing. And you see, throughout the Bible, people who had the most overwhelming circumstances refused to let those circumstances limit their lives. They refused to, to judge things by what they could see right there and then. Abraham was childless, but he refused to call himself, he called himself Abraham, the father of many nations. Isn't that weird? A childless man called himself the father of many nations. And time and time again, I think of Reinhard Bonnke, I just was listening to him the other day, and he, he speaks about that God told him he would see a blood-washed Africa. But when he first went, Africa was a hard place to win people for Christ. Hardly anybody got saved in Africa 40 or 50 years ago. Now it's an incredible place of harvest. 40 or 50 years ago, it was a hard place. Handful of believers. But God said a blood-washed Africa. And that's where he began to declare a blood-washed Africa. He began to call things that are not as though they are. And it changed his life. And I think so often, we've got to learn to change the way we perceive things. I, saw, I heard the story of the day of a man. And he, he, took a, he took a wheelbarrow, but in the wheelbarrow, he had a box of sawdust. And so the man at the gate, the security guard, says, what are you doing? He says, I'm taking... A bowl. I'm taking a box of sawdust out. And the man said, I don't. Let me examine that. So we checked the box. And it was a bowl, a box of sawdust. And that went on day after day after day. Wheelbarrow, open the, open the, open the box, sawdust in. And after about six or seven days, this man thought, this guy's up to something, but I don't know what he's up to. And so at the end of it, he said to him, look, I know you're up to something. I know you're trying to steal something. But look. Let's look at it this way. Just tell me what it is. I, I won't say any more about it. I just, for my own sake, I need to know what you're doing. What are you stealing? What are you doing? So I'm actually stealing wheelbarrows. Now, often we're like that. We're focusing on, on, on just a small thing, and our perception is limited rather than seeing the bigger picture. Rather than seeing what God can do in our lives. So they were allowing themselves to be limited by their past. Next thing is, they wanted everything to be made easy. And I found in life that they had a mentality that says we want it easy. We don't want any challenges. We want any difficulties. The truth is, if we want to advance in God, there will be cost. It may cost time. It may cost effort. It may cost us in all kinds of ways certain things that we need to lay down because we want to move forward. We want to advance. And so we are willing to pay the price to advance, to go forward, to face the challenges. The next thing is their mindset was complaining. They complained about everything. No matter what, what happened, they complained about every single thing. Isn't it so easy to develop a mindset of complaining? That you complain about everything, particularly in the Western world. 
We complain about every little thing. It almost becomes a way of life. It becomes a lifestyle of complaining. But I believe that that, that spirit, that, that attitude of complaining, as we say it through our thoughts and our conversations, are limiting God. Because ultimately, and we're all, we all struggle with this, ultimately complaining, ultimately, is an insult to God. Think about it. It's an insult to God. And God says, if we're to advance, maybe that's something that we've got to change in our conversations, in our thoughts, in our attitudes. Next thing I'm going to, can't go into in great detail, but the next thing they had was self-pity. They felt so sorry for themselves. We often think self-pity is often humility. <laughs> but it become, there can be something where, which is actually focused in self-centeredness. Because self-pity always turns in on itself. Poor old me. Why is it always me? Why does everything always go wrong for me? Why is things always not go the way they should go for me? And so it becomes a very, very self-focused thing. And self-pity, as it grows and develops in our life, can be an incredible hindrance to life. And it hindered them because of self-pity. The next thing they had was they had low self-image. They said, we were like grasshoppers in their sight. And so we were. Because they saw themselves as grasshoppers, that's the way everybody else saw them as. And I think often that people can be distorted and crippled with inferiority. And that's something I think so many people struggle with, this sense of feeling totally, utterly inadequate and inferior for every single thing in life. The only way you ever change that is to change your perception. And the only way you change your perception of who you are is through the Word of God. You've got to spend time seeing yourself as God sees you. If you don't, you'll always struggle with low self-esteem. Low self-image will hold you and hinder you back in life. You'll never feel adequate. You'll never feel the ability to do anything because of low self-esteem. And it will limit you. It will stop you advancing because the enemy will always remind you how weak and how feeble you are. Amen? And so we need to shake off that low self-esteem, that, that inferiority, and believe it's all possible with God. Let me close with this. Genesis 15, verse 18, because here's a list of enemies that Israel was going to face. I want to quickly go over those enemies and show how they relate today. Genesis 15, verse 18. Genesis, God gave to Abraham a list of the descendants and the opposition that that the children of Israel will face as they went into the land. I was just thinking often, you know, here is the truth. I don't believe that we want to see demons everywhere. We don't want to see spiritual forces everywhere, but I think sometimes we can go the opposite way and don't recognize we are in a spiritual battle. We don't battle with flesh and blood, but with spiritual powers. And I think sometimes we can go to the other extreme where we don't think the enemy does anything. And we've got to realize we're actually in a spiritual battle. There are demonic powers. There are demonic forces. There are works of the enemy out there to stop us going forward. And so we need to recognize that. And I think here is a picture of some of the things and some of the ways the enemy comes against us to stop us advancing. 
There's the first one we see, is the Kesazites. And that means actually a fabricator, somebody who brings false accusations. Ever felt yourself rising up suddenly advancing and suddenly you feel accusation coming against you? The enemy accusing you of your past, of your mistakes, accusing you in all kinds of ways. And the moment that accusation begins to get into your heart, it makes you stop and pull back. And so the enemy will come at you with false accusation. And so we've got to learn to rise up against false accusation and know really who we are in God. There's the second one is academites. And that means ancient traditions. I found this. When God begins to do things, it's amazing how religious traditions and religious mindsets, religious boxes can hold us in and limit us. It's amazing in all of us, and I think every single one of us is prone to this. It's so easy to find ourselves in religious boxes. I kind of never thought I had any kind of religious box in me until you kind of encounter things. And then when you begin to encounter things, you kind of realize how religious sometimes it can go deep inside us. You know what the Bible speaks? You know what I found that God does sometimes? He offends the mind to reveal what's in our heart. So every time you find your mind being offended, it's good to find, why do I feel offended by that? What's really in my heart regarding that situation? I remember years and years ago when joy began to first break out in the churches. I remember in prayer meetings, we've been prayer meetings, and people fall on the floor in joy and laughing. I used to get offended. I thought, we're here to pray. Why are people falling on the floor laughing? I began to see the power of joy. I began to see how awesome joy is and how much the Bible says about joy. And I began to see I'd rather have people laughing than complaining. Anyone would like that? And I began to see how powerful laughter and joy is. But in my religious thinking, it began to kind of, was a box. And I had to break that box out. And began to, and I think there's so many areas that when God begins to move, those offenses rise up in us. And they can be religious thinking. They can be mindsets that we need to confront and remove so we can advance in God. Can you say amen? Here's the next thing. The parasites. So the Hittites, I miss them, the Hittites. Uh, that means terror or fear. Fear of people, fear of failure, fear of stepping out. How many times are we paralyzed by fear? It's an enemy. We need to recognize fear as an enemy. It is not your friend. It's something that wants to hold us back and limit us in life. And we need to break through the fears of life. Next one is the parasites which means a squatter. Something that's come into your life and squatted as a whole, has a grip. Maybe 2014 is the year you remove every wrong squatter from your life. You break through those issues. You break those things that are bringing apathy and things that you've lived with for a lot of years and you're saying enough is enough. I've lived with that long enough. It's a squatter and it has no right to be my life anymore. Can you say amen? Next one is the Rephamum, which means a giant. A giant. You know what? You know the Bible says, the moment the children of Israel saw giants in the land, that meant they were almost there. Whenever you see a giant rise up, 
I found this in life. Often people are going forward in God and suddenly this amazing obstacle or giant or thing rises up. That's a sign you're almost there. It really is, honestly. The moment you find opposition at its highest realm, that means you're almost there. It's right there before you. All you've got to do is hold on a bit more and you're there. It's a good sign when you face giants because you're almost to the promise. Can you say amen? Next one is the Amorites, which means a fear that tries to create inferiority. In other words, the enemy often will use people to make you doubt yourself and make you doubt who God is in your life. I remember just the other day hearing him, Joel Oosted, you know, he's the guy who always smiles all the time. We've seen him, Joey's on the, on the te- television line. And he tells a story that when he first started to preach, he was in some, I think he was somewhere, some room, or somewhere where he was, and he began to hear the, some of the people in the congregation saying, that guy's never going to make it. That guy can't preach. And he says this, if I would have listened to what they said, I would never, ever have gone forward in my ministry. And it's so easy. It could be a word of a teacher. It could be a word of a parent. It could be a word of a person authority who has spoken something over your life and who has said in some way you're never going to make it. And it's almost a tape, or shall I say a CD, or let's go in one further. It's an MP3 prayer. Now, just, you're hearing in your mind over and over again, you'll never make it, you'll never succeed. And you're beginning to believe the words of self-doubt. It's an enemy that's trying to hold you and limit you and bring you back. Last one well, last but one, I'll quickly move this, is the Canaanite. And that means zealous. In other words, it's saying that there's a point where we can do things in the power of zealous flesh. And I think one of the things we have to avoid in this coming year, that we don't do things in our flesh. That we learn to become more and more reliant on the Holy Spirit. We become more dependable on the Holy Spirit. We refuse to just because it's tough, just because things aren't going forward, that we begin to try and do it in our own flesh, and our own power. That's what Abraham did. Remember Abraham? God gave him a promise. And he tried to fulfill the promise in his own strength. And he created an Ishmael. How many Ishmaels can be created in life because we try to do it in our own power, in our own strength, in our own flesh, and it never works? And God says, I want you to do it in the power of my spirit. Become more and more reliant on the power of the Spirit. And the last one is the Jebusites. And that means to be downtrodden. It means to be dispossessed. It means actually almost to have a victim mentality. How many people have a victim mentality that holds them back? I think victim mentality is often the cause of unresolved anger. It creates a critical spirit. Often, the root of a critical spirit often is down to a victim mentality. You're critical because you think others are always picking on you. They're always against you. Everything's always going wrong for you. Everything always seems never to work out for you. And we develop a kind of victim-type mentality. Everybody's against me. The world against me. Everything's against me in life. It's always against me. And it becomes a victim mentality that begins to limit us going forward. It's a Jebusite. 
It's a work of the enemy. It's a lie of the devil. It's a lie of the of the of the dark of darkness that's hindering and stopping you advancing, going forward. Today is the day that God's saying, "My children, advance, go forward." There are many levels of opposition, but if you will press through, you will possess all that I've called you to possess. You're coming to all the fullness that I have for your life. Let's just stand right now in his presence. Let's just come before him. I just think times we need to shake off some of those things that are just limit us and holding us back. And saying, God, today, I just want to move forward into all your fullness. May not be all those enemies, maybe just one or two of those things that you see as just areas that are just resisting and holding you back. But the word of the Lord today is advance. Advance. Go forward. Move forward. Come off this mountain. You've been on that mountain long enough. Time to advance. Time to go forward. Come to, to come into your inheritance. Time to come into your fullness. Time to come into your promise. Time to come into your destiny. Time to come into, your, into, your, into those prophetic words that God's spoken over your life. It's time. This is the time. This is the moment. Time to possess what God has given you to possess, both individually, corporately, and wherever other way, family way, wherever way it is. We say, God, today, I just want to take what's mine, what you've made available to me today. I want to shake off all those hindrances, all those things today, and advance, advance into the kingdom. Let's begin to thank him right now. Maybe your situation and the enemy, I just feel right now, your enemy is making you look at things as though they are right now. God says, don't look at things as they are. But look as things as it could be. According to my promise, according to what I've spoken, according to what I've declared. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, today we just come to you. And Lord, we thank you that you cause us to advance. Lord, we don't want to stop as we are. or No matter how far we've come, Lord, we know we've got so much further to go. Lord, we don't want to stay on this mountain, wherever that mountain is, Father, wherever mountain we've enjoyed, wherever blessings we've enjoyed, wherever privileges we've enjoyed, we know, Lord, the time is now is to advance, is to move forward, to come into your fullness, to come into all that you have for us today, O oh God. And Lord, we just shake off all those things that would hinder and hold us going forward right now. We shake them up in the name of Jesus. Lord, that we come into your fullness. We come into, I, Lord, begin to release those dreams again in hearts, Lord. Begin to release those prophetic pictures again. Begin to release the visions again, O oh God. Begin to stir up the gifts, Lord. Begin to stir them up in our hearts, we pray, O oh God. That I pray this coming year, we would enter into every single thing you've called us to enter into, O oh God. That we would advance. We would go forward. We would move into all your fullness, to all your blessings, to all that you have for us in this coming year, God. We want to move into it, God. We want to move forward into it, Lord that your name will be glorified. We don't want to rely on our own power and our own strength, Lord. We want to move forward in your grace, in your power, in your strength today. 
Oh, because we ask it in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at LeBanks St. Samson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk.